Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. and invite upstage Reverend Gilbert Asamoah Hallelujah Thank you Jesus Lord we give you thanks once again for gathering us at your feet to learn from you we desire every drop of word from your mouth shall be our food tonight and we pray O God by your Holy Spirit and we shall grow in grace and virtue in the knowledge of our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that we will be able to endure that we will not quit in the battle and we will be able to stand firm by the time he comes back yes indeed he will find faith in the earth in us in the name of Jesus Amen wonderful you are all welcome we thank the Lord we are going to continue on the series that we started from the uh, book little book wisdom for leaders hallelujah Amen. awesome we thank the lord so distractions that christians should avoid is that not so yeah and we read a passage from first kings what are your recollections or Things that you remember. Yeah, he, he received a clear word from the Lord. Amen. And can you give us a summary of what happened? All right. Hallelujah. So, what was the discussion or the point we made from that passage? Hallelujah. You know, there are people that have not heard from God the way you have. And the danger for us is that we often lose our identity or we lose who we are. And um, 
you know, the, in the history of Israel, you will see that struggle repeating itself. I mean, this account of this man of God obviously is at a certain scale. Um, I heard somebody say that, you know, if you, you, we know the Bible says in the New Testament, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? But then the Bible also says that, the Bible also says that these signs shall follow those who believe. And there is, there is a, a group of believers who um, tend to be seeking after, I want to see a vision of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to see, I want to have a prophetic encounter, a vision of the Lord, which is, which is legit, right? Because even the apostle said in First, First Corinthians, desire the best gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And he said, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing wrong in praying and desiring um, a move of God or personal revival or even encounters of the Lord. We do know that they are sovereign, sovereignly given. So it doesn't mean anybody who asks for it will have. Hallelujah. God may have his reasons for choosing who he would give a special encounter. Like um, St. Teresa of Avila, if you know her, she's one of the mystics of the church. She wrote a lot about her encounters of the Lord. And um, when she started, she, 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 when she joined the nunnery or uh, what do you call the co convent, the, to be a sister, um, some of the people who knew her felt that her character is not the kind that should be in that. And then when she started having encounters of the Lord and um, telling people close to her, they were, they were a, a bit startling. And initially she was afraid, but she confided in someone that the Lord has been appearing to her and she's having this eruptive, uh, what do you call it, encounters with her, which were not very common in those days. And so one of her closest friends encouraged her to write it and show it to her priest. Amen. But somebody heard about it and said, they said that, I mean, somebody else, if someone else has this encounter, that's, that's understandable, but not her. Amen. All right. But the point I want to make is that people who have been shown much, a lot more is required of you. Hallelujah. So, so the person who has not had an appearance of Jesus Christ or who has not received a specific word, do this or don't do this, the judgment is going to be less on them than people who have not had, you know, people who have had those encounters and have blatantly disobeyed. And so, so that's what Jesus warned there are two things Jesus told the disciples. Uh, he said, be careful how you hear. Amen. And then he also said elsewhere, be careful what you hear. Amen. One day he was speaking and, and, the, and the Pharisees felt that, you know, what you are saying, you seem to be implying that we are sinners. You seem to be implying, because he was talking in parables, but they, they could see that that parable was against them. And then Jesus said, if you had not heard my words, you will be guiltless. But since you have heard it, <laughs> then you are responsible. Hallelujah. Amen. So avoid the distractions that come from people who have not heard from God the way you have. You see, the, the, the things you have heard, 
you are responsible for it. And so when you have heard certain things, especially in this, our UD, in this lighthouse, the messages we have heard, you know, the judgment is going to be different for us than for other people. And you, you, may, not, you may ask me, where in the Bible does it say that? Jesus talked about Chorazin and Bethesda. He said, woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethesda. He said, it will be easier on, uh, what do you call it, Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than on you. Because they have not seen the miracles that you have seen, the things you have seen. Amen. And so what I'm saying, that when you are chosen for a special encounter or a special word, because there are some camps, Bishop walks into the meeting, the camp meeting, and based on the people there, he changes the topic he's about to preach. Hallelujah. So it means that certain messages are actually associated with certain audiences. And that particular audience that hears a message, it means that you must own it. It is like it is like targeting you. Amen. Are you listening to me? But what happens is that the word of God is supposed to shape and identify and basically nourish us to become a certain type of person. And when we don't, and a lot of distractions to affect us. I found, I, I tried to Google the word distractions. Let me try and find it. This is what Wikipedia told me. Distractions, distraction is the process of diverting the attention of an individual or group from a desired area of focus and thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. Amen. Amen. Distraction is caused by the lack of ability to pay attention. Amen. Lack of interest in the object of attention or the great intensity, novelty, or attractiveness of something other than the object of attention. So either you are not able to pay attention to what has been given to you or something else is so strong that it pulls you something other. It's that distractions come from both external sources and internal sources. Amen. <laughs> external distractions include factors such as visual triggers, social interactions, music, Test message. This is plain everyday distraction that is describing. But you can see clearly that you can apply it to the context of how we are using the word here. Amen. It said distractions come from what? From both external and internal sources. And external sources, the list, visual triggers, social interactions. Like I was giving you an example of the guy who got married and beginning to see beautiful girls. Those are visual triggers. That he's now, <laughs> he's now going, if only I had waited for two more weeks, <laughs> I, would have, I, would have, I could have met this other person. These are visual triggers causing distractions. Amen. Or um, social interactions. So social interaction can distract you from something you're supposed to do. And then music, text messages, and phone calls. This is a list of external distractions that have been given. Okay? And then there are also internal distractions such as hunger, fatigue, illness. So for instance, Dr. Dazi, as a, as a professor, right, 
as you are teaching, one of the things that may make a student not focus is not because of the subject matter you are saying not be in, uh, interesting, but it's, uh, it's an internal trigger that is causing the distraction. And then examples are this. Hunger. If someone is very hungry, they cannot pay attention. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or fatigue. Fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> or illness. Or worrying. Or daydreaming. Do you think that's true? So now, if you think of this in terms of the church and in terms of a word God may have given to us or an assignment God may have given to us, okay? Because in the lecture, it's like an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. So it's a short period. But if you have been given an assignment for your lifetime, amen, amen. if you apply these internal distractions, it is still applicable. So for instance, when it says fatigue, it is like, it is like the work you are doing, you are tired of doing the work. Do you get it? And so now, when you are tired of doing something, what do, you, what do you think of? You begin to think of something else to do. Hallelujah. When, when something becomes monotonous, when, when something becomes no more interesting, you begin to look for something else to do. Illness, there can be a spiritual illness. Even as a work of God, there's the, just as you have physical illness, there's also a spiritual illness that will make you unable to. So, for instance, people that are into uh, what sport, let's say, Let's say uh, tennis. Do you get it? If somebody, or basketball for that matter, if somebody is not well, but they, they, because a game is so important and they force them to go and play, they are not going to be on their best performance. Are, are you there? And so the work that has been given to us, if we are not able to do it, these are some of the reasons why we will not be able to do it. Hallelujah. But so, so um, we are talking about distractions. Hallelujah. Distractions. Seven distractions a Christian should avoid. Number one, avoid the distractions that come from people who have not heard from God the way you have. And I'm honing down on that because a lot of the others are actually linked to it. Okay. Number two is that number two is avoid the distraction that comes by trying to compete. Trying when you are when you are trying to compete with somebody else. When you are trying to compare yourself to somebody else, and you are trying to compete and compare, you would, you, would not, you would not do what you have been asked to do. Hallelujah. I mean, if, if a father is leaving, a parent is leaving the house, and they are pushing the work, do you get it? Okay, maybe the place is not too big for all of them to do sweeping. So you may say, one of you should do what? Sweeping. Then somebody else mop the floor. Do you get it? And then they may say, what else? What else can you assign? So somebody else to do the dishes. Hallelujah. And then somebody else should do there's some dirty stuff on the, on the walls. Dusting. And then maybe things that you may need to use wet uh, cloth to clean. And it has been apportioned. So everybody has their job that it has been apportioned. But if the person that is sweeping the floor, it, uh, within... 10 minutes, they are finished sweeping the floor. Do you get it? It may be this whole place, but they may finish very quickly. But the person that is mopping, you now have to go and get a bucket, get a mop, and pray that your mop works properly. Do you get it? <laughs> and now, if you, are not, you don't have one of these 
uh, stick mobs. If you are using the old traditional way of wetting a towel and going on your knees and going like this, you need to do that and now you get up, you're now going to squeeze the water. So at a point, the person doing the mobbing, said, ah. comparing themselves with what somebody else has been assigned to may feel like they, their work is easier. Amen. I wish I was doing this other work. Amen. So, so one of the things that lead to distractions Taking our attention off the focus of what we have been asked to do is when we begin to compete and compare. Hallelujah. Now, if you bring it to the work of God, you need to grasp this. Maybe we should look at this scripture. Let's look at this scripture in um, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Working with God is a top-down it may seem like a bottom-up experience whereby you accepted Christ. Hallelujah. But the scripture says in 1 John, the scripture says in 1 John that we, we loved him because he loved us first. We had no means or ability to love God. In fact, we did not have the confidence to appear before him, a holy God, until he sent his son and got him sacrificed for on, our be, uh, on our behalf. And that is what gave us access. Hallelujah. So the whole enterprise of our redemption is a lot of things God has done. And then within that, God has set parameters and conditions and, and a way of life for us. Hallelujah. And so within that, you are going to see that God requires us to live a certain way. Amen. Now, in the old covenant, uh, I think we will start from, uh, let me see. I'm not sure whether it's uh, from the beginning. Hallelujah. Okay, so chapter 3, verse 3 to verse 11. Exodus 19, verse 3 to verse 11. Okay, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of uh, Jacob. You realize that um, read, we are reading this passage in connection with the second point, but you can see the first point in it, in that the reason why you are not supposed to compare yourself to others or try to compete with others is because you are distinct and separate from other people, because you have heard some things they have not heard. The instruction that was given to you is different from them. Hallelujah. Okay. Every one of the points is linked to the distinction you must see yourself to be. Okay. Okay. So the Lord is telling Moses, say this into the house of Jacob. Tell the children of Israel. All right. We are going all the way to verse 11. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. He's reminding them. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. All right. Okay, now therefore, listen to this. If you would indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, if you would obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Pause there. Why is the Lord saying, for all the earth is mine, at the end of saying all that? It must be there for a purpose. After telling them this is this and that, if this and that, this will happen. Then he asks, for all the earth is mine. What is that clause doing there? 
He has power over everything. The whole earth is mine. However, I have what? I have the so- sovereign will to choose a group or a session of people in the world to be what? A special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. When you go to your, what do you call it? Uh, uh, your, your kitchen or whatever you keep your spoons. And you're about to eat. And you pull the apostle Joe is the one who taught me this in my own kitchen. He said, pull that thing and I pull that thing. He said, okay, now these are spoons and forks, right? How many do you need to eat? One. Who is to decide which one you're going to use to eat? You either choose this one or choose this one. And whichever one you choose is your own sovereign will to choose. That day, that particular fork is now appearing at the special dining table to be used for special purpose. Other ones may be there. They may never be chosen for three months. Amen. Are you there? But you are the owner. You are the you own that thing, so you can choose which one you want. All the earth is mine. And I am saying, I am out of the people in the world. I am carving out a special group of people. He's telling Moses to go and tell them that this is what I think towards the people. Okay? To be above all people, for all the earth is mine. Keep going. And you shall be to me. You shall be to me. Not to yourself. To me. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. Hallelujah. All right? We are going. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them. He laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Okay? What did they say? Verse 8. Next verse, please. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, say, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Moses is a priest. He's the go-between. He's what we call a betweener. Do you get it? So he goes to hear the word from the Lord. He comes to tell the people that, folks, the Lord has decided that he's going to make you guys special. Of all the people in the earth, you shall be his special treasure. You shall be a kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Priests intermediate between God and men. God's intent for Israel that they will be his priests. They will be his people that the revelation of God which was lost after Adam and Eve got kicked out of the, the garden. That the whole world came under the devil's influence. God is saying, look, I got to start from somewhere. I'm just pulling a group of people. I'm going to reveal myself to them and I'm going to make them a special group of people and then they just need to work with me. So, you see, this is the high mark of the call of God. This is the high point of the call that, you see, God has called us in a special fashion. Hallelujah. We didn't reach 11. Maybe we should finish and reach up to verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in this thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So, Moses told the words of the Lord to the the people. Okay? Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them. Today, consecrate, it means set them up and make them holy. Today, and let them wash their clothes. And let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Zion in the sight of all the people. Hallelujah. The, 
By the way, did you know that did you know that Pentecost, okay, which is 50 days after the after the ascension, do you get it? So Pentecost was a feast of the Israelites. And it, 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 you, see, you see that pent, five, right? A pentagon, you know, five sides. And, and so you see the 50 in it. Now, what is the significance? Just as the law was given at Sinai, it was 50 days after the Exodus. You see, the law was given at Sinai 50 days after they left Egypt. Okay? And the Exodus, or the sacrifice of the lamb is in the new testament signified in the christ going to the cross and so pentecost also happened the coming of the holy spirit was also 50 days after the passion of christ hallelujah the pentecost in the israel was a commemoration of the lord being given at sinai and at sinai this is, this is what has happened at sinai that the lord has come so 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 if you see the if you see the parallel you see, see that, that at Sinai, the Lord proclaimed Israel as a special people unto himself. Do you get it? So also, when the Holy Spirit came, after, after the ascension and the Holy Spirit came, the Lord Jesus Christ, our most high God, proclaimed the new creation, the new body of believers that believed in Christ that they are my special people. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit came. He's also called the Spirit of Holiness or the Spirit of setting apart unto God. Hallelujah. So that that invitation that was given to Israel at Sinai, which we are reading about in Exodus, that same invitation came to the believer, the Christian, that now God wants to make us what? God's special people. Let's go to Peter. First Peter 2 and uh, I think verse 9. First Peter 2 and verse 9. Because you may say, well, you know, the Lord is discriminating. He chose Israel. He wanted them to be their special people. That has nothing to do with me. I want to show to you that that special calling, special privilege, has now been broadened to the whosoever. That whosoever clause in John 3.16 is like it has now what? It has now become in it initially Israel was the first step, but now God has ascended to the whole world. So anyone and everyone that has responded to Christ and has become a believer. Now the apostle Peter, when he is writing to the believers, okay, he said, By you are what? A chosen generation, a royal what? Priesthood. Now, if you take the word royal priesthood, it's exactly the paraphrase of what was used in Exodus 19. Because it said you shall be a kingdom of priests. Okay? Kingdom has to do with royalty. Is that not so? Royals are the ones that inherit the kingdom. Is that not so? So, you see that what God intends is that he's looking for a group of people who shall rule on earth. Earthly matters who shall on his behalf, who shall also rule in spiritual matters. So a royal priesthood is like a people who are not so heavily minded that they have of no earthly value. Neither are they so earthly minded that they are of no heavenly value. He is looking for both. That you are relevant here and at the same time relevant in the heavenlies. And God is saying that Paul, he said that, look, every, every word or concept or attribute that was used to describe the people of Israel Exodus. Peter is saying now it applies to the believer. Look at it. 
royal priesthood, holy nation, his own special people. Is that any different than God telling them in Exodus, a special treasure unto myself, so that now the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is now standing in the feet of the Israelites in Exodus 19. Therefore, now therefore, okay, so that we shall proclaim his praises. So you see, it goes back it goes back. So now I'm linking the point. What's the point number one? Seven distractions every Christian should have. Which is the f- first one? Uh, avoid distractions that come from people who have not heard from God the same way you have. So you realize that people in the world, nobody has told them you are special. Do you get it? Nobody has told them that, you know, there's a God who loves you in spite of who you are. Nobody has told them that in spite of your flaws, God is not surprised and God is not, God loves you. You are, and I are the ones who have heard this. Do you get it? And, and, and because we, we have heard this, it, it, it should govern the way we think. It, it should govern the way, we, the way we see ourselves. And it should govern, it, it should also govern what we do with the person who gave us this special privilege. Because a person who gives you special privilege, you have to take their words very seriously. If you are a group of villagers, destitute, with no clothes, I don't know whether you have seen some before, running around, let's say a bunch of children running around with no clothes, their um, bats bare, running around with nothing covering them, it, it, all over the place, and a rich man enters the town. Do you get it? Maybe, let's say for the sake of argument, these people, children are orphaned. They don't have anybody to take care of them. And a rich man enters the town. And builds a shelter. Not a, sh- a shelter. The shelter seems to have a certain <laughs> connotation. Builds a nice place for them to live. Do you get it? Everybody has, you know, it's like, you, and then by the way, it was not open to everybody. It was as many as came at the time the call was made. Do you get it? And, and, then, and then these people, and a lot of people, a lot of places, they don't eat three meals a day. Do you get it? A lot of places, three meals a day is not a, uh, uh, the common practice. Okay? And it's a luxury. Uh, but then these people that have been adopted, for lack of a better word, okay, by this rich person has given them accommodation, has given them clothes, actually, uh, 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 and, and provides meals for them. Uh, and then this person now has gone back to the city. Do you get it? Has gone back to the city. But then has put them in charge of somebody to take care of them. And maybe visits the place once a year. Now, when the benefactor, the rich person who gave them this privilege, special privilege, special title, when he comes to town at a special uh, a, a festival period, okay, and he's calling some of these people, say, so you know what? Um, we were coming, we were coming with uh, three cars, and there's a river that has overflown its boundaries, and the road has become muddy. And so, as we were coming. You know, as we were coming, the mud got on our cars. Do you get it? Are you following my story? And so I'm going to need, I'm going to need some of you to help clean the car. Are you there? This person who has taken you from among the people you were, you, you run around dangling all over the place with no clothes covering you, with your back showing, with no clothes, with your some 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 stomach be pushing like this, and your head uh, tilted like this, and now you are being fed. And, and now this person is asking you to do something, and now you are telling them that, look, Pastor, I got an appointment. 
Like Bishop, I didn't drove all the way from New Jersey <laughs> to go to Bronx to pick somebody. When he, he, they have said that I will be available, and they said, Pastor, I got an appointment. The way they said it, I can't even say it with that accent. <laughs> Amen. So, so I'm telling you that the focus, the ability of what is trust. So number one, be, be careful of not doing what? By the people who have not heard from God the way you have. Hallelujah. Now, one of the reasons why people get distracted, even though they have heard from God in a special way, like you and I are hearing, that other people have not heard. The reason why sometimes we get distracted is because we are competing and we are comparing. And we forget that we are not the same as everybody else. Hallelujah. We are not the same as everybody else. You see, in this church, we believe, Bishop Dark believes in this verse. And I believe in this verse. That all believers have been called to the royal priesthood. So there's something called the priesthood of all believers. It was a major theme in the Reformation. If you've been Catholic before, you, if you know your church history, the priesthood of all believers, it was one of the main themes during the Martin uh, Luther days. That's because, because that's the suppression of the priest versus the lay. Do you get it? That's such that only the priest knew the Bible. Amen. In fact, even before Luther, there was, uh, what's his name? Is it John Wycliffe? John Wycliffe. He tried to translate the Bible into the vernacular of the people, and he, was, he, he, he suffered a martyrdom for that. 100 years later, John Huss tried to do the same thing. He suffered a martyrdom. So it was like 100 years interval from John Wycliffe to John Huss to Martin Luther. 100, 100. So when Luther came on the scene, Luther, you may say Luther started the Reformation, but the seeds of the Reformation were sown by the blood of John Huss and John Wycliffe. Hallelujah. And one of the main things in those days was that some people felt, to use a modern word, disenfranchised. That the priests seem to be the only ones that can hear from God or that can read the Bible. But through the translation into the vernacular, everybody could read the Bible. That is not to say you, you no longer need priests or you no longer need a preacher, you no longer need a pastor. But the, the rift was too wide. And, and people, ordinary people, what they had to do to be saved was way too wild. The prescription for salvation was way too serious. Like, the, the, you, you had to punish yourself to be saved. When Christ has been punished for your sake, you had to kneel, uh, uh, on your, uh, go on your knees a certain distance. I mean, all kinds of things. And Luther one day discovered that just shall live by faith. That this thing, that my acceptance before God is based on believing in Christ and his finished work and his blood and I am saved. Luther himself, he was a priest. And, 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 and I think he was, he was a little bit unhappy not unhappy with the system, but unhappy with himself. He was struggling. He had a, a bit of a psychological, uh, uh, emotional turmoil. And so the church, to, 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 to help him, they sent him to go and teach at the university. <laughs> Amen. Amen. They sent him to go and teach. Like, if you go to a more quiet place, and you are, all you are doing is <laughs> teaching Professor Dazi, and you just, but I don't think that type of therapy works today. I don't think that type of therapy works for because nowadays that I mean how hard they have to work. <laughs> but in the process of teaching at the at the school, he, got, he, he they gave him to teach Ephesians and Romans. So for the first time now he has to read it because if you're going to teach it, 
Because you have to read it. Because, I mean, people used to say mass and didn't even know the scripture. So as he was reading it in Romans, hey, they f- like uh, in uh, 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 one of the episodes, he said, Yo, if you watch it, it's like, it's, 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 it's like they've, che- they've cheated him for years. So finally he discovered, ah, actually, okay, I'm a priest. But the other church members too, if they believe in Christ, they are a type of a priest. Now this special privilege calls for a certain response. Now when we, when we take our mind off that focus, and we begin to compare ourselves to other people, that is where problems begin. And that's exactly what Israel did. Let's look at this scripture. We are talking about comparison, and well, this scripture is First uh, Samuel chapter eight, verse one to three. First Samuel eight, one to three. Are we there? If somebody has it, you can read it for us. Or maybe let's go for Ezekiel chapter 20. If any one of you have it, Ezekiel chapter 20, it looks like it's taking a while for it to come up. So, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. Okay, Ezekiel 20, verse 1. It came to pass, okay, in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. So, Ezekiel is writing. Keep in mind that Ezekiel, he's one of the captives of Judah that was taken to Babylonian captivity. So Ezekiel is writing from Babylon. Do you get it? But he was one of the faithful Jews that even though he's in a foreign land, he's adhering to Torah. He's adhering to the laws of God. Just because we are not in Israel, we don't have our temple, does not mean we should lead our lives like the Gentiles. Ezekiel is a faithful, he's been called as a priest to be a prophet. And so he said that in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. So elders of Israel living in Babylon, they have come under judgment. They know they are in Babylon because of judgment. But they have come to inquire of the Lord from who? From Ezekiel. Hallelujah. Okay. Keep going. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord, I will not be inquired of by you. The Lord is ticked off. Next verse. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them that make known to them the abominations of their fathers? Hallelujah. Okay, we are going to continue from verse 30 to 38. Same chapter. Ezekiel 20 and verse 30. The Lord is speaking. Therefore say to the house of Israel, that says the Lord God, are you defiling yourselves in the manner of your fathers and committing harlotry according to their abominations? Alright, keep going. 
For when you offer your gifts and make your sons pass through the fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols, even to this day. So shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel, as I live, says the Lord God. I will not be inquired of by you. 32. For what you have in your mind shall never be. When you say, look at it. We will be like the Gentiles. Like the families in other countries serving wood and stone. Hallelujah. As I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury poured out, I will rule over you. I will end, I will end that passage here. So he's saying that you are special people to me. Go back to Exodus 19 that I chose you in a special calling. But now you are saying you want to live our lives like who? The Gentiles. Amen. You see, the destruction is coming because we have forgotten the proclamation and the things the Lord has spoken over us that you are a special people unto me. And now you want to be like Gentiles because you see the Gentiles every day. Hallelujah. Destructions happen when you take your focus upon the main thing you are doing and you look at other people. It happened also in the days of Samuel, the prophet. Well, the scripture says when someone got old, he appointed his children. I think that's first Samuel chapter 8, but let's not read that. We don't have time, but maybe next week. Someone appointed his children to be um, judges. And the scripture said that his children were not living in the ways of their father. And so because of that, the people of Israel came to, to Samuel and they brought a request. Samuel, we want you to appoint us what? A king. And they, they added this. We want you to appoint us a king so that he will lead us to war just like all the other nations. Hallelujah. And the scripture said, someone was troubled by that thought. Okay? And everybody, when somebody is troubled, everybody has a reason why they are troubled. Do you get it? Someone's point was that they have rejected him because I'm still alive. <laughs> Imagine you are the king, and then you are, I mean, he wasn't a king per se, but he was, the, he was their leader. And now they come to him because, you see, this Samuel, he's a, a settler of cases, a, a, a preacher. He was not a warrior. Amen. And so you are trying to tell me that there's something deficient in me. And now, now I should appoint a king. So some, someone was very down. And the Lord said, Samuel, don't be sad. It's not only you they have rejected. They have rejected me also. Because they have rejected me from being king over them. But the thing that take them off, take the Lord off, when they said that we want to be like the other nations. We want to have a king who will lead us to war like the other nations. They are comparing and they are competing. Hallelujah. When the Lord, the Lord did not want them to have a king. But you know what happened. The Lord told Samuel, if they want a king, give them a king. Sometimes, some of our requests, the Lord will just give it because we harass him too much. But it's not his perfect will. Amen. But this whole thing comes back to the idea of comparing yourself with others. So, I'm, I'm saying this to make a point. That, you see, starting from the proclamation in Exodus 19, in the New Testament, transliterated, trans, translated in 1 Peter 2.9, that we are special people, a special priesthood, we in Kodesh Family Church, United Denominations, you and I need to see this, that we are a special church. Amen. 
Amen. We are a special church. We are not like everybody else. If somebody in another church feels that they've been called to scrap the floor, that is their calling. That is what the apostle has said they should be doing. Hallelujah. But if you and I have been called to paint, let's focus on our painting and not be distracted by somebody whose mission or whose apostolic vision, based on what they have received from the Lord, is that they should be scrubbing the floor. And you see, what happens is that people in the church don't plunk themselves properly in the church because they are always looking at other places and what other people are doing. Are you listening to me? That distraction can be a big, big reason why we are not fulfilling our call. Because you see, how many know Bishop Dark listened to Bishop Oyedepo? He, he says it himself. Do you get it? Bishop Dark listened to Bishop Oyedepo. Okay. But Bishop Dark has not abandoned his call of what? Soul winning and church planting. Why is it that you, a member of the church, we, we are not interested in soul winning. You're not interested in a preaching series called Hamatan Bible Seminar, which is about what is the theme for the seminar again? Make yourself what? Saviors of men. You want to go to a place where they are preaching about Aaron's beard and the seraphims and the cherubims. Look, that is somebody else's assignment from God. Amen. That is somebody else's vision. And everybody will account to God for what has been given to them. In this race, do you know that there are some races, there are some races that, like especially relay races, when they start off, right, everybody has a lane and you have your baton. But you realize that when they are finishing, they all can be in the first lane. Is that not so? But there are some races like a uh, 100-meter dash. You have to stay in your lane. If you don't stay in your lane, you can easily be disqualified. You, uh, you, you will be disqualified for sure. Not that you can, you will be disqualified. And so what I'm saying is that, you see, the distraction in this day and age is huge. Because even among churches, people are not saying they won't be a Christian. They are a Christian. But many people are distracted. They don't even have a single church where their loyalty lies. Mm. They keep hopping from place to place. Mm. The, the, and you have spread yourself so thinly, you are not contributing to nothing. Mm. Amen. Amen. And, and, and when we look at your Facebook page, hey. when we look at your Facebook page, the people that you are admiring, you are admiring, you are admiring uh, uh, preachers, preachers from other, other callings and other, other assignments. You, we, we've never seen anything that you you you, you, don't, you, don't, you have not even liked Bishop Dark's uh, Facebook page. You have not even liked it before. So now, when Bishop Dark is preaching at Uganda, we have to post it on the on the what do you call it on the church platform for you to know that Bishop Dark is. Preaching. If you had liked the Facebook page of Bishop Dark, what mails? Who is your father? Who is your apostle? Who has given you? God has given you a special assignment for the church that we all belong to. And if you are not distracted and going here and going here, you, that thing, Facebook would have given you an alert. You would have known it yourself. You would have known it yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Look, God is so huge and vast like a big ocean. Imagine you have a big ocean and you want all the water to be collected from the ocean onto another ocean you are creating somewhere else. You've created this big dent. Are you following and you want people to collect all the water in this ocean to put over here. 
How many people are you going to need? You are going to need a lot of people. So everybody has been given. Some have been given, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, a container this size. Some have been given a container this size. But you, your neck is very little. So that, for that reason, God has placed you in a, in, a, in a group where the container is this size. But you have joined this other group which doesn't fit your head and the shape of your head. Do you get it? You've gone to collect a bucket which has been given to another ministry to fetch water. Are you following my analogy? Yes, 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 yes. And it's no wonder you're always hurting. And you've never been able to bring one drop of water from the ocean to you because by the time you reach there, your neck is hurting and you spill it over. And you have to go so that you are wasting time. We have to come back to what we have been assigned to. And God is saying the biggest thing is that we are comparing too much. Let's know who we are based on the proclamation that has come over our lives. Put your hands onto the Lord. Let's stand up to our feet. Pray for ourselves and bring the Lord an offering. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you adoration. We bless you. And we bring to you our offerings. We desire that you shall bless them and multiply them. Let it be a blessing to us and for your work. And let increase come our way because we support the work of God through Jesus our Lord. Amen. What a word. Wow. Thank you so much, Rev, for reminding us that we are truly a peculiar people, chosen generation, set aside by God himself. What a word. Thank you. We are a chosen generation. Chosen generation called for to show its excellence and are required for life God has given me. I know who I am, I know who God says I am, what He says I am, where He says I'm at. I know who I am, I know who God says I am. What he says I am, and where he says I'm at, I know who I am. I'm walking in power, I'm walking in miracles, I live a life of favor. I know who I am. I'm walking in power, I'm walking in miracles, I live a life of favor. I know who I am. Where he says I am, where he says I am, where he says I am, I know who I am, I know who God says I am, where he says I am, I know who I am, I am, Walking in power, I'm walking in miracles. I live a life 
audience hallelujah <laughs> i'm speaking to a global audience you may you may you be surprised who is listening to my messages amen wonderful so as usual uh we shall have our prayer meeting wednesday evening hallelujah and another one on thursday morning is that is that not so and then friday evening we shall be back here for prayer let's rise up and share the grace May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion, the fellowship, the contribution, and the participation of the Holy Spirit, and the grace grace to be 200 members now, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God richly bless you.